Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is December 11th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you are listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over my preview of the game between the Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs. So, to get right into it, the Miami Dolphins are 8-4, and four, and they'll be facing off against the Kansas City Chiefs, who are 11-1, on Sunday in Miami Gardens, Florida. The Dolphins are coming off of a routine win against the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Chiefs kind of, as expected, look nearly unstoppable right now. Now, as an added bonus to what already should be an exciting game, Jim Nance and Tony Romo will be coming commentating this game. So if we begin here by taking a look at the Dolphins. Now, the Dolphins are currently dealing with a ton of injury. Guys who did not practice on Thursday as of the time of this recording. That's the most recent practice. We have Savan Ahmed. We have Kyle Van Noy. We have Alandon Roberts, Eric Flowers. All those guys did not practice on Thursday. Now, if we look at guys who practiced in limited fashion, those guys were Miles Gaskin, Xavier Howard, Solomon Kinley, Malcolm Perry, Adam Shaheen, DeAndre Washington and Andrew Van Ginkle, all those guys were limited in practice on Thursday. Now, if we take a look at the offensive side of the ball for Miami, rookie quarterback Tua Tungvaluwa returned from his thumb injury last week, and he had one of his best performances of his young career. Tungvaluwa threw for a career high 296 yards, and he had a touchdown. He has still not thrown an interception so far this season. Now, Tua and the offense came out a little bit flat in the first half, but the second half really did give a glimpse of the offense that fans have been craving to see. Tua took several deep chances, giving his receivers the opportunities to kind of make one of those one-on-one catches. Though it didn't work out every time, the fact that the offense appeared to open up was definitely a positive to see. Now, Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes had a ton of praise for the rookie quarterback earlier in interviews. He said, quote, obviously he has the talent. He can make all the throws. He can roll to his right, to his left, throw off balance, and can run and make things happen too. But that veteran mental mindset that he has, I think, is what makes him truly special at this time in his career. Close quote. Now, last week featured a career-high day from tight end Mike Gesicki. He had nine catches for 88 yards and a touchdown. Now, Gesicki, who I've been mentioning so far, has disappeared many weeks. I must say that there are other weeks where he really does make an appearance and have a big impact on the game, and he's really been coming along nicely. In the past two games, he has 121 yards receiving in two touchdowns. Now, receiver Devontae Parker was ejected last week for getting in that little scuffle near the Bengals' sideline. Parker is still currently last in the league in separation, but continues to be at the top in contested catches this season. So I imagine defense is being able to kind of hone in on him and focus on him given the lack of weapons on the offense really is kind of what attributes to that phenomena of him being so low in separation. Now, receiver Jakeem Grant had several drops last week, including that massive play that would have at least gone for 50 plus yards. Grant displayed his elusiveness in the open field with those two tap passes that went each for over 20 yards, but really his inability to capitalize on these uh, routine plays downfield make it hard for me personally to see him as a dependable receiver right now. Now, receiver Lynn Bone Jr., as we know, also had his best game as a pro last week. He snagged several balls in the little short to intermediate game and was able to pick up some yards after 
after the catch, he could continue to be more involved as time progresses. Now, the Dolphins' offensive line looked as good as they had all season last week. Now, it must be said the Bengals' team that they were playing were near the bottom of the league in applying pressure, so it was expected that they would look good in this game. Now, here they will be up against a Chiefs defense that is 25th in the NFL in sacks. Now, I must say, despite that stat, when we go over the Chiefs' defense a little bit, I must say there are some stars on that defense that you must account for and that their stat number is a little bit misleading, I would say. Now, if we move here and take a look at the Dolphins' defense, the Dolphins' defense has been a force all season. They are allowing an average of 17.7 points per game, which is second fewest in the entire NFL behind only the Steelers. Now, in this game, they're going to be tasked with stopping a Chiefs' offense, which is averaging 30.8 points per game, which is the second highest in the NFL behind only the Packers. So one of these sides is going to have to give. Now the Dolphins blitz percentage of 41.4% is second highest in the entire NFL, and they have also allowed the third lowest quarterback rating in the entire NFL. So they have been tremendous at stopping the pass game. Now, cornerback Xavier Howard is a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. His eight interceptions is the most in the NFL, and he managed to snag another last week despite being ejected early in the game. Now, Howard has surrendered a team low completion percentage of 46.8% when being targeted. Now, he will be tasked with a difficult challenge this week. He'll likely be covering Tyreek Hill at times as well as Sammy Watkins. Now, Howard has been a shutdown corner for the vast majority of the season, but has given up several big plays this season, namely in that game against Seattle to DK Metcalf. Now, Hill's 4.2 speed will make this a challenge for Howard who was clocked at having a 4.59 40-yard dash time as a rookie. Now, I will say Xavier Howard's positioning is a large reason why he's able to get so many interceptions, and one of the tactics that he appears to use is disguising himself as getting beat only to be able to sneak back underneath and make a play. Tyreek Hill has that speed where you can't do that. You can't act like you got beat because you will actually get beat. Now, slot cornerback Nick Needham is coming off of back-to-back -back games with an interception and has done an amazing job when it comes to shutting out some of the premier slot receivers in all of football. Needham has not surrendered a touchdown so far this season and has only one missed tackle on the year. So even if they are catching passes, Needham is at least able to close down and stop them right when they get the ball. Now Needham in this game will likely be tasked with covering Tyreek Hill in this game as well, which could present a difficult challenge. Leading into this season, something you probably heard a ton during the games is that Needham was forced to shed a bunch of weight, that he was overweight and even now, he isn't necessarily regarded as a quick cornerback by any means. It's pretty likely that the Dolphins will have to double cover Tyreek Hill on those instances where Needham is lined up against him. Now, safety Eric Rowe has been tremendous so far this season as well. He is allowing 5.7 yards per target this season, which is the best on the team. He has been one of the main defenders of the tight end position in general this season, which the Dolphins have held to only 471 yards and that is the sixth best in the entire NFL. Now, in week five against the 49ers, the Dolphins held all pro tight end George Kittle to only 44 yards receiving. Now, it must be said on the opposing side here, we have Travis Kelsey, who is playing absolutely out of his mind so far this season. He will, of course, present a very difficult matchup for Rowe. So it will be very interesting to see in this game whether the Dolphins elect to send fewer blitzes in order to keep defenders back to help with Travis 
Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Now, defensive end Emmanuel Ogba has been having a great season so far. He leads the team in sacks with eight and will be going up against his former team in this game. Ogba has not recorded a sack in the last three games, but still remains in the top 10 in the entire league in that stat. Now, linebacker Cal Van Noy is coming off of one of his best games so far this year. He recorded a huge day where he had three sacks, six tackles for a loss. Van Noy has the most total pressures by a non-defensive lineman and that is per pro football focus. Now, the Dolphins' front will be up against a Chiefs offense that has only been sacked 16 times so far this season. That is fourth fewest in the NFL, and it must be said that Patrick Mahomes, when it comes to even just getting rid of the ball and making smart decisions, is among the top in the league, or if not the best. Now, we go here and we take a look at the Kansas City Chiefs, and first, it must be said, back in 2018, Brian Flores, while he was a de facto defensive coordinator of the Patriots, he he helped New England beat the Chiefs by a score of 43-40 to in an overtime win in the playoffs. The Patriots in that game didn't necessarily have a masterful defensive performance, but what they did offensively was very telling, I think, of one of the ways to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. The Patriots in that game stuck to the ground, and they dominated the time of possession. They finished the game with 38 carries for 173 yards on the ground and held the ball for 44 minutes of that game, and it was also a game that featured Eric Rowe, Alandon Roberts, Kyle Van Noy, all as members of the Patriots against the Chiefs in that game. Now, the Chiefs in this season have only lost one game so far, but also had a near loss in Week 11. What's interesting is that their loss and their near loss came against the same team. It was the Las Vegas Raiders. In that loss, the Raiders were able to complete passes of 72 yards, 59 yards, yards and 46 yards. Las Vegas would also finish that game with 35 carries for 144 yards and two touchdowns. So another strong performance on the ground, but a big day in taking these deep chances and showing you the Chiefs secondary can be beat. And then if we think back, I think the most obvious example of a way to beat the Chiefs on Sunday night football last year, the Colts would led by Jacoby Brissett defeated the Chiefs by winning the time of possession battle, leaning on Marlon Mack again the running game here 29 carries for 132 yards and they were also able to get four sacks on Patrick Mahomes now if we take a look here at the Kansas City Chiefs on offense they have the best offense in all of football that is no exaggeration they are averaging 427 yards per game which is the most in the NFL the next closest is the Packers who have 396 they have the best quarterback in all of football who is currently playing at an MVP level they have arguably the most productive receiver in football in Tyreek Hill, who also happens to be one of the top three fastest players in the entire league. They have the best tight end in all of football by far. They also have speedsters like McCole Hardman, who isn't too far behind Tyreek Hill in the fastest player of the league conversation. So the Chiefs offense is, of course, led by Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is really beginning to run away with the whole MVP race, putting up a ridiculous 3,815 yards. He has 31 touchdowns and only two interceptions. Mahomes only has four games so far this season with under 300 yards passing, which is just a ridiculous stat to think about. Now, a stat that I've been talking about a lot for uh, from NFL's next-gen stats is aggressiveness. Aggressiveness is a stat that 
it calculates how often a quarterback throws into tight windows where a defender is within one yard. Well, Mahomes has the lowest aggressiveness in the entire NFL with only 10.8% of his throws going to a tight window. In other words, Mahomes is not really throwing to guys who are very tightly covered. Dolphins Tua Tungavailoa, on the other hand, leads the NFL in aggressiveness with 26.5% of his throws going to a receiver who has a defender within one yard. So whether it is because the Chiefs receivers can separate better or whether it's because Patrick Mahomes is making better reads, at the end of the day, uh, Mahomes is throwing to much more wide open receivers. Now, receiver Tyreek Hill and tight end Travis Kelsey have really carried the bulk of the receiving work for the team. They have combined for 2,139 yards so far this season and have 22 touchdowns. Tight end Travis Kelsey is just having another historic season. He is by far the best tight end right now in the entire league. His 1,114 yards are second in the NFL behind only DK Metcalf. Again, that is not among tight ends. That's among all players. So he is second in the NFL in receiving. His 82 catches are fifth in the NFL. His 18 catches of 20 plus yards are second. His 61 catches for first downs leads the entire league. He has five games so far with over 100 yards receiving and only two games with 50 yards or less. In other words, Kelsey has really surpassed just being the best tight end in the league. And he is actually just in that conversation for one of the more productive players in the entire league, regardless of position. Now, Tyreek Hill here is also having a monster season. His 13 catches leads the entire league. His 1,079 yards are third in the NFL. His 17 catches of 20 plus yards are also third. His four catches of 40 plus yards are also third. On top of that, he has 90 yards rushing on 11 carries. So nine yards per carry from your wide receiver one. That's pretty good. Now in week 12, Hill had this monster game with 269 yards receiving and three touchdowns. In the first quarter of that game, he had 203 yards and two touchdowns. Again, just in the first quarter. Now, the last time the Chiefs played the Dolphins back in 2018, Tyreek Hill had 109 yards and Travis Kelsey had 49 yards and a touchdown. So I really don't know what is left to say aside from that this duo is just by far the best in the league. Now, Receiver Miko Hardman here offers a very similar skill set to Tyreek Hill. Hardman has burners and can easily break off a monster play as he is averaging a team high 15 yards per reception. On this season, he has 449 yards and three touchdowns. Now, the Chiefs receiver group here also consists of Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, and Byron Pringle, who is currently on the IR. Now, Watkins has missed five games so far this year due to an injury, but has had a respectable role in the previous games when he has returned. Now Watkins last year had this massive 198 yard three touchdown game against Jacksonville and in that same sense Demarcus Robinson in a game that Tyreek Hill missed had a huge 172 yard game with two touchdowns against the Raiders. So in other words while it's obvious Mahomes loves throwing to uh, Hill and Kelsey he can still produce when throwing to this very deep receiver group that the Chiefs have. 
Now, if we take a look at, at the running game here, we'll be led by rookie running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell. Now, Edwards-Hilaire has been solid as a rusher, totaling 692 yards and an average of 4.6 yards per carry. Now, he hasn't necessarily been the dominant, versatile uh, workhorse back that we're accustomed to seeing in this Andy Reid system, as he only has 234 yards receiving and one touchdown through the air. Now, Le'Veon Bell was signed by the Chiefs before their Week 7 matchup. It was a move that initially garnered a ton of hype across the NFL. However, he hasn't really been able to capitalize on it. Bell so far only has 141 rushing yards in the six games that he's been with the Chiefs. Now, Bell is still a great back, but it just doesn't appear like he will take over this role anytime soon and will likely just be used as a, a person who could provide depth and be a change of pace back for the team. So, the Chiefs offense here is surprisingly in the bottom half of red zone trips that ended with a touchdown. Now, initially, many blamed Edwards Hilaire for not being a productive runner in the red zone. Clyde Edwards Hilaire has only scored on 12.5% of his rushes from within five yards. And that was kind of seen as one of the bigger reasons why the Chiefs brought in Le'Veon Bell. So if we switch over here to the defensive side of the ball for the Chiefs, the Chiefs defense has a few stars that are really capable of carrying this defense to their solid performances. Now, despite that though, at best the unit has looked average. The Chiefs defense has allowed 4.8 yards per carry so far against the run, which is third worst in the NFL. Last week against the Broncos, Melvin Gordon ran all over the Chiefs, finishing with 131 yards and 8.7 yards per carry. Safety Tyron Matthew of the Chiefs leads the team in interceptions with five. Last week against the Broncos, Matthew had two more interceptions. He is obviously one of the more well-rounded safeties in the league, and he is very capable of changing the outcome of a game. He is a hard worker. He is hard-nosed. He's just across the field making plays, so be on the lookout for Tyron Matthew. Defensive tackle here, Chris Jones, leads the team in sacks with 5.5, and defensive end Frank Clark isn't far behind with four and also leads a team in tackles for a loss with six. Safety Daniel Sorensen leads a team in total tackles with 73. Now to get into my expectations for this game, the first one I have here is that Tyreek Hill has a huge day. Now I've been proud of Nick Needham's progress so far this season. He has been great and I imagine Xavier Howard also could be matched up against Hill at times too. Maybe even Byron Jones because he's probably the more athletic of the two. But Really, you just can't teach speed. There is very little room for making a mistake against a guy like Tyreek Hill. If the team sends that usual heavy dose of blitzes, uh, you know, just leaving somebody in a man coverage situation with not much help over the top just seems like a recipe for a disaster against a receiver like Hill. If the Dolphins elect to keep players back and kind of withhold on sending those blitzes, it will allow time for Hill to create separation and, you know, get open on some of these broken players plays. So overall, I just think that Tyreek Hill is primed to have at least a very decent day. I think he has a big day though here against the Dolphins. My next expectation here is that we see another good game from rookie quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. Now the team here can take two approaches against the Chiefs. They can try to slow the game down to that abysmal level and stick to the run or they could say screw it, let's just let it rip. Whatever happens, happens. Now they could try starting the game with that first approach, the slower one 
won the ground game, but I don't expect the Dolphins to be able to rely on rushing the ball to have success. I imagine by the half of this game, the Dolphins could elect to just air it out, and I think Tungvaluwa could look impressive in doing so. Now, we'll get into my keys to the victory here. Now, before we do, a little bit of a disclaimer. These are just a combination of what I've seen work against the Chiefs and things that I could see making this very tough feat possible. Now, of course, if I knew the perfect recipe for defeating a team, a powerhouse like the Kansas City Chiefs, I would be on the sideline with a headset on and not behind a microphone. So again, take these with a grain of salt. Now, my first key to the victory here is have the best rushing game of the season and win that time of possession battle. The Chiefs offense will get theirs to some extent. The Dolphins should be able to slow them down to some degree, but expecting the Dolphins to shut them out completely is just unrealistic. The Dolphins will have to slow this game down to an abysmal level, keeping the Chiefs offense off the field and preventing them from getting in a rhythm. My next key to the victory here is capitalize on those big plays. Last week, we saw Jakeem Grant drop a massive play, but even then, aside from that, there really wasn't much happening down the field. The Raiders had three passes of 40 plus yards against the Chiefs in that game that they won. Their secondary can be beat, and with Miami's inability to run the ball consistently, they must take some more chances and get these big plays in order to compensate. Now, my last key to the victory here is have the best game from your secondary so far of the entire year. If it was just as simple as neutralizing Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, I mean, it would be tough, but it wouldn't be as daunting as it is. But Mahomes is capable of putting up huge games while relying on Sammy Watkins or Demarcus Robinson or McCole Hardman. On top of that, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has looked impressive, and Le'Veon Bell is still regarded by many to be an elite running back. So there are a ton of weapons that must be taken into account, and frankly, each player on the defense must be playing good, but I just think primarily the secondary here will have to be playing just absolutely lights out in this game. Now, before we wrap it up, guys, I want to say uh, something, a little final note here is that this is a game where I don't think it should be as simple as, oh, if the team loses, I should be mad and I'm only going to be happy if the Dolphins win. The Dolphins, if they come out here and they look competitive and keep the game close, whether that is by the offense matching the Chiefs or it's by the defense shutting down what is the best offense in football. There can be some things you can be happy about even if the Dolphins don't end up with the win in this game. And I'm not saying this to encourage you to, uh, you know, be happy with a loss or be pessimistic or anything. I'm just saying that you must take into account and recognize where the Chiefs are currently at. This is a team that has an MVP quarterback. They're coming off of a Super Bowl win. They are at their peak right now. And the Dolphins are still, you know, as impressive as they look, they're still very early on on in their rebuild. There could be a ton of things to be excited about and be happy with even if the Dolphins don't win this game and if they're able to keep it close. So with that being said though guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up this episode. As always, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at ShadySteven and at via the source. If you could follow there, that would be great. I would love to interact with more of you guys. Uh, if you could, if you enjoy the episode, leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. It really does go along way in helping me uh, build the audience and especially with how crazy this year has been and how unpredictable and volatile the, the sports industry in general could
could be. It, it really would mean a lot. And as you guys know, that I've been trying to, uh, you know, make this my full career. So that would be awesome to see. Now, of course, I want to give a big shout out to the people who have helped support. Uh, Martin on Twitter has done just a terrific job at sharing the podcast and trying to get the word out. And I can't thank you enough for all the help that uh, that you've been doing so far. Uh, Leandro from Brazil, those comments you made a few weeks ago, still, you know, I still think about them. It truly did mean a lot. McClifford on Twitter, you've been a huge help. Reforic as well has been interacting a ton. That's awesome to see. Guys, as always, it was a pleasure to be your host. Until next time, I'm Steven Masso, and this was Via the Source.